everyone. I hope you're all doing well. We are continuing our study uh, that we've been going through with the life of Jacob. And as we said at the very outset, Jacob is one of those really complex characters that we find in Scripture. Uh, we see that he's a liar, he's a trickster, and just someone, someone who leaves people off worse than as he found them. But strangely enough, he's also a man who's greatly blessed by God. So Jacob's story is not one of those stories that really fits uh, fits neatly into a nice, clean-cut box that uh, we often like. It would be so much easier if uh, God blessed godly people and he punished ungodly people. But that's not necessarily what we see in the life of Jacob. And honestly, if, if we're to be real truthful, that's not really what we see in the world, and that's really not what we see in our own lives. Uh, for instance, I know that in my own life, I've experienced times where... Um, uh, God has blessed me. He's protected me. Even though uh, in that particular season of life, I'm not really following his will or I'm kind of pursuing my own thing. And in truth, even in our best moments when we are trying to follow God and when we're trying to do what he's called us to do, we 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 don't really deserve the blessings of God. Even at our best, we are just woefully uh, uh, inadequate and fall short of the standard that God has for us. And yet, even with that, he still blesses us and he intervenes in our life in ways that we, we have no right to expect, but he does so anyways. And so in, in many ways, our lives, like Jacob, is purely based on God's grace and not necessarily our obedience and our faith. So again and again, we're going to see the 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 life of Jacob and his story really kind of intersects with our own. We're all just broken sinners being undeservedly blessed by an amazing God. Uh, now, in our series, we've already looked at the birth of these twins, Jacob and Esau. And while Esau was technically born first, Jacob was literally grasping at the heels of Esau, trying to take Esau's place as the firstborn who is destined for blessings. We also saw how Esau didn't seem to really care much about his birthright. Uh, we, we noted that the firstborn was entitled to a double portion of everything that the patriarch owned. So Esau could expect twice as large of an inheritance as Jacob uh, was to expect. And, but with that double portion of inheritance also came a double portion of the responsibility for the family. At Isaac's death, Esau would have assumed the mantle of patriarch, and this would have meant that Esau would be an authority over not only his immediate family, but also the entire extended family, including Jacob and all of his children. So it's it's no wonder um, that there was a, a lot of desire for that particular position. No one would be able to marry in the entire family without Esau's permission. No one would be able to move or relocate without Esau's permission. Um, no one would be able to go into any business dealings or even choose their occupation without Esau's say-so. So all of the major and, and many of the minor decisions would have had to be run past Esau before anyone could have done anything. Now, the financial riches and family authority would have remained with Esau's line and his children being passed down from firstborn to firstborn, and it would forever remain out of the grasp of Jacob and all of his children. Now, this is a great blessing for Esau, but it's also a huge weight of responsibility. And it appears, as I said earlier, that Esau really either didn't want that responsibility or at least didn't place much value on it, because as we see, uh, as we saw earlier in our study, 
he sells his birthright to Jacob for a bowl of stew. Now, some would say that Esau thought that he was literally going to die of hunger and therefore he didn't uh, really think that he was going to be able to use his birthright. And so, sure, I'll sell it for a bowl of stew. That's, that's fine. But I don't think that's really the case, especially since Scripture indicates that Esau, quote, despised his birthright. But others may also go on to contend that Esau was speaking rashly and never really intended to relinquish his birthright for the food. Uh, some people just equate it to, well, we all say things that we don't really mean. Um, and so maybe Esau really didn't mean it, or maybe he was just trying to trick Jacob himself. And that may be the case. You know, after all, in our, in our culture today, people just throw around words flippantly and don't really care much about them. But that's, that was very different from the culture that we see in Scripture. In that day and time, words were thought to be incredibly, incredibly powerful, enough to even shape a person's destiny. You know, we give names to our children because we like the way uh, that name sounds, but in that culture, a person's name was often thought of like almost a prophecy predicting their future or the character of that person as they would grow older. Um, and when you promise something, you had to fulfill that promise, no matter how painful it might have been. To speak a curse or a blessing on someone was a very serious matter. So Esau promising his birthright for a meal was not to be seen as some frivolous thing. It really was a very significant um, event in their life. Now, to our portion this week of the Jacob of Jacob's story, at this point in Jacob's life, uh, his father Isaac is getting very, very old and is approaching the end of his life. His eyesight is beginning to fade if it hasn't already completely gone away, which is going to be an important part of this story moving forward. Now, because Isaac realizes that his time is growing short, he calls Esau and tells him, that he wants to bless Esau before he dies. Uh, but before uh, he blesses Esau, he would love for him to go hunting and to prepare a meal of some of his favorite game. Now, while Esau and Isaac were talking, Rebekah, Isaac's wife and mother of Jacob and Esau, was listening on what was being said. And she hears that Isaac is about to give Esau his blessing. But she wants Jacob, who's her favorite, to receive it. Now, Let's just kind of pause the story here for just a moment. Now, the vast majority of times that I have heard this passage being taught, Rebecca is seen in a negative light because of her deception uh, that she's about to initiate so that Jacob can get the blessing. Now, to be sure, her line is wrong, and um, that was not what God wanted her to do. I'm going to be very clear on that. We're going to see in just a little bit that this act on her pot, part cause all kinds of problems. And that's that should be expected. That's what sin normally does. It, it causes disunity and problems and division. But I want us to consider what may have been going on in Rebecca's mind and her heart for just a moment. Now, if you recall, when she was pregnant with the two boys, they were wrestling within her in her womb. And um, that caused her quite a bit of confusion and discomfort. And so she inquired of the Lord what was going on. And scripture tells us that the Lord revealed to her this particular uh, promise. And this is what we read. It says, quote, Two nations are in your womb. Two peoples shall be separated from your body. One people shall be stronger than the other. Now here's the, here's the point I want you to catch. And the older shall serve the younger. Now, it's that last part that we should really keep in mind when considering what Rebecca 
does here. For many years, she has been considering this word from God that is Jacob, not Esau, who's supposed to be blessed. It's Jacob, not Esau, who's supposed to rule over the other. So Rebecca, like many of us, was probably waiting to see how God was going to accomplish this reversal of the norms within their culture. When, uh, when she hears that Isaac is about to bless Esau, that's the very opposite uh, of what God had told her and who should receive this blessing. Now, I, ma- uh, I imagine that she easily justified in her mind that she had to go and intervene in order to bring about God's will. Or, to kind of put it another way, she had to help God out and to, fu- uh, to fulfill his promises. Now, I hope that all of us realize that anytime we try to, quote, help God out, uh, we often mess things up. Uh, God doesn't need our help, especially when he's promised to do something. He doesn't need us to bail him out. I think Rebecca failed to realize what many of us fail to realize, and that's that ungodly actions never bring about godly results, no matter how justified we may think that we are in doing those things. Now, we're not told how God would have fulfilled this promise uh, about Jacob, apart from this deception that we read about in Scripture, but that's not our problem. That's God's problem. Rebecca and Jacob were not justified in what they did, and neither are we when we step outside of God's will, even if it's to accomplish that will that God has um, revealed to us. So, Rebecca tells Jacob uh, what Isaac is planning for Esau, and she instructs him to go and to pretend that he's Esau so that he could receive the blessing. Now, that they quickly brainstorm and they devise a way to make Isaac believe that Jacob is Esau. And so they, they put animal fur on him because evidently Esau was obscenely hairy, and they dressed him in some of Esau's clothes and fixed a meal for Isaac. Now, Isaac, unable to see, feels the fur on Jacob, smells the scent, or probably more likely the stink that's all over uh, Esau's clothes that Jacob is wearing, and he eats the meal and then proceeds to bless Jacob by saying this, Therefore, may God give you the dew of the heaven and the fatness of the earth, plenty of grain and wine. Let people serve you and nations bow down to you. Be master over your brethren and let your mother's sons bow down to you. Cursed be be everyone who curses you, and blessed be those who bless you. Now, this uh, this passage says that almost as soon as Jacob uh, leaves Isaac, uh, after being blessed, Esau then comes in expecting to receive his blessing, and this shocks both Isaac and Esau, and they quickly deduce what Jacob has just done. Now, when Esau asks if there's any blessing that his father can give him, this is what Isaac says over Esau. He says, Behold, your dwelling shall be of the fatness of the earth and the dew of the heaven above. By your sword you shall live, and you shall serve your brother. It shall come to pass, when you have become restless, that you shall break his yoke from your neck. So essentially, Esau will have a difficult life. He has to live by the sword. And then one day, he'll get so fed up with Jacob that he escapes the yoke or the authority that Jacob has over him. But that's the very best that Esau can hope for. Now, Esau is so angered by this that he vows that as soon as his father Isaac is dead, he's going to kill Jacob. Now, realizing the danger that he's in... Rebecca convinces Isaac to send Jacob away to uh, Laban, a close relative, so that he can find a wife. Now, 
we're going to pause our story there for this week. And I would like to just note a few things in the, in the moments that we have left in our, our time this week. Note just a few things that I would like for you to consider in Jacob's story. Now, as it's already been noted by several others, family favorites and family disunity is a horrible, horrible thing that is extremely destructive. None of us have perfect families. And some of us have more imperfect families than others. But the real question is not how good or how bad your family is, but rather, what influence are you going to have on your family? Now, regardless of whether you think you have much influence over your family, I believe God's Word tells us that anyone willing to be used by God can have a tremendous impact on those around them. So, I hope that you're willing to be that redeeming influence on your family. Wait for God's timing, and then when God moves you and He opens the opportunity and doors for you to speak His truth or to show His love, then do so. And just be amazed at how God can use you to impact your family and those around you. Now, the other thing that I hope that we see in this section of Jacob's story is the importance of waiting and trusting in God. God has likely got great things in store for you. But most of us are so eager to experience Him that we run ahead of God and we end up trying to hurry things along in our own way. This is always, always, always a recipe for disaster. So I hope that all of us, myself included, all of us will be patient and wait on the Lord. Now, we're going to end things there uh, for this week. I hope that you have a wonderful rest of the week. I hope that you'll join us again next week as we continue to pick right back up here in Jacob's story and just see how his life really intersects and highlights many of the same things that we encounter in our life on a day-to-day basis. Until then, take care and God bless.